From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. We have had fun before we even pushed record. You scared me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta be exactly. honest. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and you hear a few other laughs and voices. And so let's introduce a few people. To my left, Emily Armstrong. Hey, guys. <laughs> you weren't ready? <laughs> no, for some reason, because I'm to your left when I'm across from you. I was thinking I'm actually on your right because I was thinking of my own, the way I'm seeing. So I thought you said to my left, and I thought you would say it. We have thoroughly confused <laughs> all, all of the listeners. She is both on my left, right, and across from me. That's right. Uh, That's talented. <laughs> and actually to my right, unless I'm in a <laughs> new universe that I'm un- unfamiliar with, is AJ Fry. Hi, everyone. And across from me, Caddy Corner. Do we use Caddy Corner? Caddy Do you corner. use Caddy Corner? Yeah. yeah. Wompy Jaw. <laughs> Wompy Jaw. Oh my word. We're learning about culture now. That is not what we use. Wompy Jaw. Uh, Wompy Jaw for me is, is Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact. <laughs> Wompy Jaw is actually used in Arkansas. Wompy jaw is a legal term. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Fun fact. Aretha Franklin was the first woman inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ooh. Shut up. Really? Nice. Yeah. The first woman. Wow. That took a long time. Yeah. Although rock and roll isn't that old, I guess. Like when you think about genre of music. That's true. What are we talking? Aretha Franklin was the uh, 60s, maybe. She was inducted in 1987. 87 took her a long and, time and to get in. Do them. we know yeah. when the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was founded? Why do you ask me questions? Like <laughs> <laughs> Let's look it up. No, why am no. I looking this up? <laughs> it has nothing to do with our podcast. It really doesn't. She was born in 1942, if that helps you. But let's talk about a lady with attitude. Man, yes. she is great. Thank you, Chelsea. I win. We're going to talk <laughs> about a word called attitude today. And in a time of pandemic, this is pretty appropriate for us to talk about. But let's kind of dive in. Let's check without talking about what other people say about attitude. How are our attitudes? How are we feeling during this time? Um, And let's be vulnerable. I mean, where have we fallen short and not had the best attitudes? I am pretty tired of all of this. (laughs) I am pretty tired of all of this. The way you said that, I thought you were about to like go on a angry rant you know. <laughs> i am pretty tired pretty tired <laughs> all these shenanigans of, yeah i mean there's so many shenanigans <laughs> um yeah i i'm just i don't i don't want to say that i'm ready for things to get back to normal because i've accepted that that things are going to look different going forward i've accepted that i'm just tired of talking about it let's uh. let's just let's just do it you know mm-hmm. I'm, let's I'm do t- it like let's do it like let's make sure the change just comes. Yeah, let's let's just let's just everyone accept that this is normal. This is it's going to be the way it is and we have to live with it and we we move forward. Let's be creative in like we were talking in a previous episode, let's be creative in ministry. But let's stop talking about it. Let's just do it. I'm 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 done talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I have it, it is interesting because I've as a content creator, you know, we, we have websites, we have articles that we write, we have these podcasts. Like, I've thought about that before. Like, should we just pump out five episodes 
you know, that have nothing to do, like they could be, you could listen to them in 2025 and they'd be the same. You could listen to them, but like not talk about the pandemic. And I've thought about it even as a pastor, like, should I preach a sermon that should I, every sermon be talking about the pandemic? It starts to get old. Yeah. And I think, I think most of the sermons that I've listened to have mentioned how we're living in the pandemic or how how to contextualize this scripture in the midst of pandemic. And while that's good, contextualization, contextualization is good and a good word to practice saying, <laughs> uh, I, I often feel the same way. Like, yes, let's learn how to live in it, but there's so much more than, than that going on. You know, there's so much more than that going on. Mm-hmm. Even though maybe the biggest thing and some of the maybe the most frightening thing in the world right now, and it is something that the whole world is dealing with, I just it's just time to go. Just time to get get going, folks. Yeah, yeah. On one side, if you constantly talk about it, then you allow it to define you. Yeah. And on the other side, if you don't talk about it, then you're not relevant to the times. It's like, does he even know there's something going on called a worldwide pandemic? Yeah, I follow a blogger and she's like a a work from home mom. Like she has a business, but she is all about productivity and like time management and budget and all this stuff. And like, she hasn't mentioned the pandemic like at all. And even though I'm pretty close to the same spot of just like, we need to be done with this. Like still to have this whole life that you're just like not talking about it. It seems like you're turning a blind eye to the biggest thing going on right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's th- this kind of really allows us to to get into a quote. Uh, there's somebody I, don't, I was going to say a guy. I don't even know who this is. Jay Sidlow <laughs> Baxter. I should do my homework on my fun fact, right? <laughs> Um, But Jay Sidlow Baxter says, what is the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity? Our attitude Mm. towards it. That's good. Mm. You know, so like here we are presented. We have been presented in the last six months with lots of obstacles. But really the thing that changes it into an opportunity is just our point of view, our attitude Mm. toward it. Have you seen uh, in your own lives or let's not make this all about pandemic in general. Have you seen moments where you've said, ah, that obstacle that I thought at first I, I confronted with a terrible attitude, I realized was actually something amazing? Yeah. So I need to give you a little bit of a backstory. In third grade, when I a was... A little bit? You just went back to third grade. I know. <laughs> so I was going to way back. I'm for it. Okay. I was all wompy jawed. I'm just kidding. In third grade, legitimately, I was in a play. It was about monsters being under your bed. And I had to learn how to spell the word optimistic because I spelled it on in the play. I had no clue what that word meant, but I knew how to spell it. And I was super proud of myself because I could do it to to the beat. Um, And my teacher, because our reading teacher was the one that was making us do the play, made us actually learn the definitions of the words that we were giving in the play. But from that moment, I learned what optimism was. And I think from that moment on, that has been my attitude towards life is choosing to find the joy and the good, Hmm. even in this most difficult of times. 
whether that be uh, the death of a loved one or a pandemic or just a really hard, stressful time in life, there is always something. Um, the fact that I am saved and given the Lord's grace, like that is sometimes all I have. And that's mm. a lot more mm. than we give credit to. And so when I think of like situations I am always thinking of language learning as this like hard spot in my life. It is frustrating. It is overwhelming. It's stressful to not be able to communicate as clearly as I'm communicating with you guys now. My, I'm a talker. I'm a communicator. I love hearing people. I love relating with people. And I do all of that through words. And so to not have the vocabulary sufficient enough in Spanish to be able to do that with my friends in Spanish is so frustrating. But if I choose optimism, then I recognize I just heard a recording of myself when we first moved here hmm. in Spanish. And I was like, I didn't even recognize myself <laughs> because it was so choppy and so like out of order. And so choosing to see the progress instead of like, oh, it's so frustrating doesn't mean I don't push myself. It doesn't mean mm. that I don't try, but it does mean that like, it's encouraging. It's yeah. not, fr it's not discouraging. Well, and we can verify that. Like we've ministered with you, uh, you know, been with you for, for several years and you, we have witnessed when you are frustrated, but even when you're frustrated, there is sort of a winsome spirit to you. That's just like, hey, I am so frustrated. You know, but even the way you say it is just like... <laughs> is that your voice of me? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, but just, I, it's still this not, oh, I'm down in the dumps, Eeyore, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm so frustrated. It's, it's still like, I'm so frustrated. But even in the way you say it, it's like, but there's going to be a way out. Like right. you don't say that, but right. in your tone, it almost is like, but we'll find a way out. Right. And that's why the story from third grade matters is because I really, truly believe Optimism is a choice. The character in the play that I played was choosing optimism. Mm. And I think so often we don't realize that our attitude is a choice. Right. Yeah. And that's something that I, I think about attitude and how I think the default for most of us is to relate it to our feelings mm. and our emotions. And feelings and emotions are things that are reactive to what's around me. It's not something that I'm taking a proactive stance. Like I'm going to make sure that I'm very happy regardless of what's happening in front of me. Like I just was in a car accident and you can't choose happiness when you're in a car accident, but your attitude is a choice. And one of the articles that was like supplemental for us as we were getting ready for this was written by Dr. Louis Bussell. And if you know, Dr. Bussell, he's like one of the best holiness preachers you'll ever hear in your life. And I think if he were to preach a hundred sermons, 99.9 .9 of them would be on holiness. <laughs> and um, he even relates attitude to our holiness, but he says, you know, it's like an article of clothing of we're choosing to put it on. Yeah. And um, I do think there is a good uh, analogy in that and metaphor in that because we choose the attitude that we're going to have. So when I wake up in the morning, I choose 
how the like the lens that I am going to see this day through. So regardless of what the activity is or the circumstance, our attitude is reflective of, of a mental choice that I made. And I think a lot of times to me, I, I, I try to sift through maybe attitude, even in the midst of uh, postmodern thinking and when there's no right and wrong and when everybody can have their own feelings and have their own thoughts and your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. We hear the words like you're having a bad attitude or you're having a good attitude, but it's like there's almost no bad attitude anymore because for somebody, even what I consider to be a bad attitude is like, well, this is just the way, this is who I am. This is who I want to be, you know? And so I think even that lens of attitude with postmodern thought of not having a landing place of what we would say holiness, Christ-likeness, the mm -hmm. way that Jesus walked in this world is the line of attitude. What is Jesus's attitude? How did he confront these situations? That it just creates a really interesting conversation with somebody that does not claim Bible as truth, because I think a lot of their attitude is reactive. It's right. not a choosing. Right. It's not, right. I'm, I'm doing this. It's just reacting to what comes at them. Right. I like that you brought that up, Emily, because there, I think in popular culture now it's just like have a good attitude just you know mm. your attitude will define you and you can make it up the company or the corporate ladder i guess is yeah. what it's called with a good attitude and you know there's like self-help books that talk about attitude so much but i think as christians and especially christian leaders we really must tie attitude to holiness mm -hmm. tie this yeah. to christ his holy spirit moving us purifying us working in us and that there would be a daily living out of choosing, I think that's important, choosing what are we going to put on? Dirty old clothes, like uh, the Colossians 3 passage of like, are you going to just put on mm -hmm. these things? Or are you going to put on holiness, love, an optimistic or joyful attitude? Mm. That is a trait of a holiness person. Yeah. Yeah. That is a trait of a person that is growing closer to God every day. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting to think about this because if we look at Jesus's life also, like at near the point of his, of his death, like he didn't have a good attitude. <laughs> like he didn't want, he didn't want this. Right. And so his attitude was like probably somewhat fear, I imagine, because he didn't want to, he didn't want to go through what he had to go through. But at the same time, he chose, he chose God's will over his own emotions, hmm. over his own attitude. And I think so often we just think that our emotions or our attitudes just come upon us randomly or like willy-nilly and there's nothing we can do about them. Chelsea is always telling me that I have to choose joy or have to choose something better, right? Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And so I always thought, if, I, if the spirit is within me, it just comes, you know? And that's true to, to a certain extent, but it's also, it's also a practice. It's also about training yourself, a discipline, if you will. Uh, training yourself not to live by compulsion of, or feelings or impulses of these emotions or attitudes, but it's through practice and dedication and devotion and intentionality to see the heart of God and then act accordingly to the heart of God and not not just let our emotions, like you said, control us mm. or define us. But we, with the Spirit's help, 
can turn those attitudes into fruits of the Ooh. spirit. And I think that's very important because I, I am learning after being married to Chelsea for seven years and her telling me every day for seven years, <laughs> choose not to be this way, you know? <laughs> that's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> choose joy or choose happiness, you know, choose positivity. I am starting to realize that I do have the power to choose that, you know? It's been a practice for me. It's been mm. a discipline for me. And it's not easy when, when my tendency is to be negative or pessimistic in a situation. I have to recognize that tendency in me and then say, okay, I need to change this. I can choose to make this situation better just by changing my attitude. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Jesus in Gethsemane and his emotions were saying something. And yeah. I like, Emily, you kind of touched on this. We don't have to have this naive attitude uh, that's just like in a car wreck, I think you said, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> oh no, but my attitude's great, you know? Um, <laughs> but I think our emotions can still be sadness, fear, sure. uncertainty. But even then our attitude can be so steady that it's like, I still choose obedience in yeah. this time. And and even he chose obedience. Right. And there definitely is a place for sadness and for mourning and, you know, for for lamenting, right? And that's not what I'm trying to say. But even in those times, we can choose to be obedient um, to God's will. You know, this reminds me that um, the missions professor and former missionary, Dr. Howard Colbertson, would ask his classes what do they think the central point of the book of the biblical book of Jonah is? And he'd get lots of great responses, you know, and, and oftentimes people would say, you must obey the call of God on your life. And he has written on attitude and how it connects with obedience. He would listen to them and then he would say, the central point of Jonah is not obedience. Jonah actually obeyed eventually. He, he did obey. He went to Nineveh. But God at the end of Jonah, at the end of the book of Jonah, is still not pleased with Jonah because even in his obedience, his attitude stunk. Mm. And he said the central point of Jonah, the book, is that we must pair obedience also with an attitude of humility, love, joy, the fruit of the Spirit, right? In other words, we can obey and still not please God. That's crazy to think yeah. about, you know? And so yeah. why would we do that? Obedience is the minimum, you know? You're not gonna, mm. you can't have a great attitude and but also be against the will of God for your life, not yeah. obey what he wants, you know? But we must also obey, take those steps, fulfill w what his purpose is for us, at the same time with a joyful spirit, a willing heart. Along those lines, like scripture backs that in Proverbs, it says a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. That's Proverbs 17, 22. I feel like a piece of this is the fruit of the spirit. Like we've said, this attitude piece is tied to holiness and sanctification. Like if the spirit is growing in you, then you're going to demonstrate the fruit of the spirit more and, and the scripture right above um, where it talks about the fruit of the spirit lists out things that are nasty and terrible and awful and things that we are released from. If you read that first section, it is like 
like deep breath that we are not slave to that anymore. And so when I think about attitude, my instant thought is like, I've been released of this like forever. I get described a lot as joyful. That's a characteristic of my personality that often gets pulled out. But it doesn't mean my circumstances are always this beautiful rainbow situation. Like there are hard things in my life, but I'm still set free from the slave of sin. And to me, that is the piece that that God is looking for in Jonah to see the creation of God being redeemed and having hope and joy in that. Well, and a lot of times I rail against like self-help books, you know, and uh, you can't just muster up a good attitude and then become CEO because you're of, of your attitude, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, psychology, science has told us attitude makes a massive difference in your grades at school, in your success in business. It, it can make a massive difference in ministry as well. And if we truly do allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so that we have an excellent attitude, a positive outlook, then, you know, it's going to be pretty likely that we'll start to see things around us change. And sometimes it might be the same circumstance that happens to somebody else, but our attitude will allow us to confront that or to withstand that in a way different way than someone who's like, oh, I knew it was going to happen this way. Mm. I knew that was going to happen. Mm. Yeah, I think because our attitude needs to constantly be the the construct of what our behavior is. And so somebody that has that choice, like even looked up what's the What's the definition of attitude? And it's interesting to me that on this uh, dictionary, in Cambridge Dictionary, it says a feeling or opinion about something or mm. someone or a way of behaving that is caused by this. And mm. I mm. tend to go towards the behavior aspect of attitude, not necessarily feel I've already stated my <laughs> yeah. case on emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. But I think there is like... Even in the example of Jesus getting ready to go to the cross, you see, you see Jesus in anguish. You see Jesus in the temple and he's angry. Mm -hmm. You see Jesus amongst the people and he's compassionate. You see Jesus uh, give sight to a blind man that probably doesn't deserve it. Um, you know, there's tons of things that you see Jesus do. His, his behavior comes out of his attitude and his attitude was servanthood, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's yeah. what Philippians tells us is he emptied himself mm -hmm. of everything and his attitude was servanthood. So whatever the situation is, I see it through the lens of I'm a servant. Yeah. I'm a servant. Mm -hmm. I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I'm a servant. Whatever the situation is, I'm a servant. And so even when he's entering the temple and he sees the temple that is being defiled it is in this attitude of being a servant of the right. Most High God, of cleaning the temple because I'm a servant of Christ, a servant of God. And I think as Christians, that's what we take into ours. And, and we so easily fall onto the side of um, I'm happy or I'm sad or whatever. But it's like, what is your construct then? What, what is your attitude? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because like even, you know, I can hear Chelsea say that, you know, people would generally say I'm a joyful person, but that's because her, her construct is since third grade, <laughs> 
I'm an optimistic person. This is the way I choose to see life. Mm-hmm. And as she encountered Christ and she sees that, man, I can, I can know Christ in optimism and I see it in the midst of a pandemic, I can still see good things happening. You know, and I think all of that is, that is the attitude choice that we make. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with how we feel, has right. nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing to do with how we feel because mm-hmm. we can have all of these emotions that are worked up in us. Mm-hmm. But man, when we have this attitude of who God, and, and I know that my construct is Christ-likeness, holiness, like that is the way that I see everything. Mm-hmm. So even in this pandemic time and, and like how God's at work, that is my attitude. How is God at work? You guys probably hear me say, oh, how's God at work in this? How am I seeing God at work in this? Because everything, whether it's something really good or something really bad, my attitude is, but God's at work in this. Right. So how do I respond? What's the emotion that's provoked, yeah. you know? And so, I, but I think it's a discipline, like you said, AJ. Yeah. I don't think it's something that as humans we do naturally. Right. I don't think it's something we do easily. Right. I think it's something that the power of the Holy Spirit says, yeah. I am going to give you the clothes to put on, but you choose to put them on. Right. Every single day. Don't mm. walk outside of your house naked. <laughs> if you do, it's because you chose it. You chose to walk out naked. You but and I'm others giving will you... have a bad attitude. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I just, I think it's really important to recognize that there is such a difference. Yeah. And like going along those lines, that is so good. <laughs> I'm like, almost like raise my hands. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Come on. But along those same lines, like... For that reason, if you are pursuing holiness with your life, yep. the world is going to think this is not correct. Right. And it is super evident. Mm-hmm. I am not allowed to be joyful during this pandemic. Mm. I am supposed to be sad. I am supposed to be stressed out. I'm supposed to be lonely. And when I tell others that I do not feel that way, I am the one that is in the wrong so you felt that from other, other absolutely people. during this time i have felt judged specifically on social media if i put anything optimistic about this pandemic like the way that god is shaping us the way the lord can use this to like grow us into great followers like mm-hmm. no we are sad mm-hmm. we are only allowed to be sad yeah that's the response i get and it to me speaks I haven't been discouraged in it because I am so confident that the joy that I have and the optimism that I have is because of the work the Lord is doing in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I absolutely see the opposite side of this, of our society screaming out, Mm -hmm. no, it is based on our emotions. And right now we are all in quarantine. We're all in this Mm -hmm. unknown time and it's terrible. Mm -hmm. And so like... One, I, I just want to encourage people that, that are feeling like the opposite, that it doesn't match. Mm-hmm. It means the Lord is doing something in you. Like, that's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. But also, if you are feeling the sadness and the things, like, you can choose differently. Yeah. That's what we've, that's what we're saying is, yeah. regardless of pandemic, regardless of culture, regardless of society, we are different because we we have the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That is, that's something to be joyful about. There you go. (laughs) Well, I'm going back to the Jesus in Gethsemane. Like I literally just read that in my devotions yesterday. And it, it always impacts me that Jesus was walking to the cross. He knew the timeline. 
He knew the timeline on his life. Everything was ordained by the father. And he is living like the most normal life possible. He literally is hours before he's going to be given over and crucified. He knew that that was coming up. And it's not until he gets into the garden that it says that he he began to be moved with anguish. Mm -hmm. Like he's walking into the garden and then the feeling comes on him of like, this is really happening. Almost like the, this is really happening feeling, you know, like he knows it's happening and he wrestles in prayer with the father. He wrestles and three times goes back and says, pray with me, pray with me. Like his fear was intense. His, his anguish was intense. His, His sorrow was intense. He was living in this human body that he knew what was coming, but because his attitude was, God, the father has the best for everything and the best for everything is my death on the cross. Mm. That like he leaves the garden scene as a prisoner. And at that moment is when he almost like closes his lips. You almost hear nothing from Jesus Christ after he's arrested. And that's one of the biggest pieces that we teach about during the passion is how he was like a lamb led to slaughter. He didn't defend himself. He wasn't like, oh, I'm so afraid I can't. It's like he had this stability and ability to say of choosing the attitude of servanthood of I am serving the father. I'm serving humanity, what I'm doing. And his attitude was God. I mean, even in his humanity, and that's why I can have such a belief in 100% human, 100% God, because you see it at that moment when he should be with the most terrible attitude. He's being unjustly accused. They are literally trying to make up stories so that he can be crucified, and, and he literally just goes, and he does it. And I think that's such a lesson for us as Christians to say, my circumstance does not create my attitude. Yeah. I go into circumstances with the yeah. attitude that I am going to have. And man, Jesus is the best example. If there's yeah. anything that we're confronting, Jesus confronted it. Read the gospel, spend some time in his life because he teaches us so much about attitude. Hmm. I wanted to give just some really quick practical uh, tips for people to better their attitude. You know, it's not just going to come quickly. We've already talked about Clearly, this comes through sanctification. This comes through the Holy Spirit. Uh, So I'm not going to act like these tips are going to do it for you. If you have not given yourself to Christ completely, that is going to make all the difference. At the same time, Mm -hmm. even as sanctified individuals, I have found that there are several things. First of all, surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with people that are going to spur you on and not drag you back, you know, drag you down. Secondly, the Philippians 2 passage, your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus. I remember Dr. Charles Gailey, my professor in in seminary for missions and anthropology, he would say every day for the first year and a half or two years that we were missionaries, we read Philippians 2. And I was like, whoa, that's a little exaggerated. (laughs) But he was like, we had to. There were so many things that we were coming up against not just in surrounding culture, with other missionaries, language learning, other things, your attitude must be that of Christ Jesus, who in the very likeness of God made himself humble, you know, and and it goes goes on. You know, several other things. Pray with other people. Pray for others. Sometimes when you pray for others, your focus gets off of yourself, Mm -hmm. you know. Those are just quick things to help your attitude. Surround yourself with praise music. It's hard to praise and be pessimistic. (laughs) It really is hard. 
Um, I would say to fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love. Just fall in love with who he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who he was and is. Who he was on earth yeah. and who he is currently. Yeah, absolutely. With that in mind, uh, I had distributed kind of a poem from Chuck Swindoll uh, to all of you guys. Uh, AJ, do you have that? Would you be willing to kind of read that and close our time together? Yeah, he writes this. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude, to me, is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failure, than successes, than what other people think or say to do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is, we all have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. Mm-hmm. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the string that we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me, and 90% how I react to it. Mm, that's very good. Um, you all know that uh, if you're listening, that you can get a hold of us at uh, mesoamericagenesis.org on Facebook, The Worthless Servants, uh, and in many other places in social media. But we want to hear from you. How are you holding up during the pandemic? What has helped you to have a great attitude? But for now, we are The Worthless Servants, and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Chelsea Fry. And I'm Emily Armstrong. And we'll talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.